If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no. On June 18, 2011, Amy Winehouse kicked off what was supposed to be her comeback tour in Belgrade, Serbia. She hadn't released new music in nearly five years, and this tour was supposed to mark her return to superstardom. It was an absolute catastrophe. Video of the performance, which is on YouTube and elsewhere, went viral. The media ran with it, and the world learned what people close to Amy had long known, that she was a hardcore substance abuser. The video shows a severely intoxicated Winehouse struggling to remain upright on stage, forgetting the lyrics to her own song, and unable to keep time with the music, Here's a bit of the performance from that night of her hit song, Back to Black. Always small in stature, Winehouse is downright skeletal, Derek, as she sways awkwardly on stage, barely staying on her feet. The crowd's boos get so loud at times, it sometimes drowns her out altogether. And at one point, Winehouse begins crying, slumps to the stage. She eventually lifts herself back up and tries to continue. But a few minutes later, she whispers something to her band leader and walks off stage. It was the last time anyone would ever see her perform. I'm Jason Beckerman. I'm Derek Kaufman. And this is The Last Days, Amy Winehouse. So a month after the Belgrade concert, it's July 22nd, 2011, Winehouse asks her personal physician, there's a woman named Dr. Christine Romit, to come to her London apartment. Now, this wasn't unusual. Amy was an addict and an alcoholic. This was known, and she frequently had her doctor come to the apartment, bring her medication, sometimes to combat the effects of the dependencies, and other times to help her deal with the symptoms of alcohol withdrawal when she was trying to get sober. She'd have these periods of sobriety, and she would help her with those. Ramit arrived at the Chelsea flat a little after 7 p.m., uh, later remarking at a press conference that she found the singer, quote, calm and coherent. She knew that Winehouse had been drinking, yes, uh, but described her as only, quote, tipsy, noting she didn't slur her words and was able to hold a coherent conversation. But even this was pretty disappointing because since the debacle in Belgrade, Winehouse had been working with Ramit to try and clean herself up. The two had multiple counseling sessions. And Winehouse had managed three consecutive weeks of sobriety, a pretty big feat for someone like Amy Winehouse. Uh, but Romit later told investigators looking into Winehouse's death that the singer could be impossible to manage. Uh, quote, she was opposed to any sort of psychological therapy. She was very determined to do everything her way, including her therapy. She had very strict views on that. So that's why it was so hard, uh, disheartening for her to find Winehouse drunk that night. But despite that, she left her alone. Yeah, look, I mean, it was clear that she'd fallen off the wagon, even though she says she was sort of clear and coherent, could maintain a conversation uh, for an addict who has a bout of sobriety. 
three weeks was a period where she had zero alcohol in her system. So the doctor did note that she she was tipsy and had obviously uh, sort of broken that streak, but didn't appear to be in any real trouble that night. So Dr. Ramit says, you know, listen, she told investigators she didn't believe Winehouse was in particular jeopardy in, in you know, in fear for her life in any way. She ultimately thought Winehouse was didn't want to die. Yeah, but that may not have been the case. I mean, after Ramit left Winehouse's flat at approximately 8 p.m., Winehouse, who who by this point weighed somewhere around 100 pounds, tiny, tiny, uh, finished off three full bottles of vodka. And there's a way that they sort of have figured out how, how they know this. Yeah, this is interesting because remember we said three weeks prior to her death, she had this bout of sobriety. For you know, the three weeks leading right up to her death. For the three weeks leading up to it. And what yeah. that meant was uh, her house had been cleared of alcohol. When, it, when an addict is going through a, a sober period, you go and inventory everything in the house and you remove all those temptations. That had been done, but there were three bottles of alcohol in the trash can. What that meant was if you put two and two together, she drunk those in the immediate time before her death. And three bottles of alcohol for a hundred pound woman is a lot of alcohol and no one else was in the house. Yeah. So those all were ingested by Amy. So Winehouse's living security guard, Andrew Morris, checked on Winehouse about 2 a.m. So Ramit again comes at seven, leaves at eight, leaves Winehouse alone. Uh, Andrew Morris comes, checks on her at 2 a.m. He sees her on the couch where Ramit had left her, didn't think anything of it, assumed that she was asleep. At 10 a.m. he checked again uh, and uh, I'm sorry, 10... Yes, 10 a.m., he checks again. She's still in the same spot, not unlike uh, somebody who's been drinking to sleep for a long time. Finally, at 3 p.m., he realized that she had not moved in the last 13 hours. He uh, checks for a pulse, doesn't find one, calls the paramedics. They come, and she is pronounced dead at the scene of her home. The coroner who examined Amy's body reported that at the time of her death, her blood alcohol content was an unimaginable 0.416. We've got to put this in perspective. We have to pause here because everyone knows uh, a DUI, a standard DUI, that's 0.08 blood alcohol content. We are five more than well five, times five times that limit. And remember, that's that's what the the amount of alcohol that is supposed to impair your judgment and your ability to drive. Anything over 0.3 is considered alcohol poisoning, right. and we're we're well beyond that as well. As well, alcohol poisoning is when the alcohol saturation in your bloodstream prevents the oxygen from reaching your vital organs and maintaining your bodily systems. So, at this stage of of alcohol ingestion, a person typically loses control of their reflexes, and they often lose consciousness. So, getting up to a 0.416 is actually physically difficult to do because. You're often so drunk at that point, you're out of it and can't ingest more alcohol. Right. If an individual does manage to keep drinking after 0.3, which is very difficult to do for the points you were just saying, uh, as Winehouse's did, the various bodily systems invariably shut down, Derek. Uh, Individuals who get to this level frequently lapse into coma, certainly unconscious, frequently lapse into coma, and respiratory arrest often occurs. The body's unable to continue breathing, obviously now deprived of oxygen. Death is the near uh, certain results. So, so what does this tell you? She had three empty bottles of vodka. It tells you how she drank them as well, right, Jason? It, it, it tells it really you that does. she chugged them. She chugged at least the last bit of it, however much, because once she reached that point where the body otherwise kicks in, right? The, you, your brain lapses into coma, lapses into unconsciousness to protect you. And, right. and the, but the brain has to know the danger is there. If you drink so fast that the body doesn't, that doesn't have a chance to absorb into the bloodstream, 
Your body doesn't have a chance to lapse into that coma, to lapse into unconsciousness, to stop you from drinking. Therefore, you power right through that. All of a sudden, by the time it hits your bloodstream, you're at a level that the body's just not going to be able to maintain. That's right. She got ahead of her brain signal, and this is precisely what the coroner ended up saying happened to Amy. At some point in the night, Amy's bodily systems just stopped functioning, leading to that complete respiratory arrest and death. And she was only 27 years old and literally had drunk herself to death. Yeah. Blame for Amy's death was pointed in two primary directions after her death and in the months that follows. Uh, First, at Amy Winehouse's father, Mitch Winehouse. Um, Mitch Winehouse had walked out on his family when Amy was nine years old for another woman. He was accused of rampant infidelity. And articles at the time of her death accused Mitch of abandoning Amy and her mother. But according to Mitch, he says that's not true. And there was a lot of back and forth. And this was very publicly fought out. There were inquests within uh, in Britain at the time. But Mitch says it's not true. As a matter of fact, he says that he maintained a relationship with Amy. She stayed with him for long periods of time on weekends, he said. Um, and the father and the new, you know, and they maintained a pretty decent relationship. But there are four things that we know for certain. One, Amy started moving sideways about the time that he left when when she was nine years old. She was kicked out or dropped out, depending on what you believe, from a number of schools when she was, you know, from the time she was 10 to basically 14, 15, 16, including these various theater schools. She had shown herself to be a pretty prodigious prodigious musical talent early on. She went to these theater schools, but she was kicked out of a number of these that her mother and her grandmother had enrolled her in. And it's also around this time during this, uh, you know, formative years that Winehouse began drinking heavily and smoking pot. Um, And then, you know, what what happens, what we've seen happen in the past, and around 2003, when Amy releases her first debut album, her debut album called Frank, he all of a sudden reemerges into her life and starts being sort of a public figure next to her as she's getting more fame and more wealth. Yeah, and we look, see this, this, is, this right? is not unique to, uh, to to Mitch, who's a colorful figure in his own right. And in, in, in the wake of her death, you learned more about who Mitch was as a person. But he's not the first parent to sort of uh, leave the family in the early going and then re- attempt to reinsert themselves in the this, the life of a child who is attain some level of fame or celebrity. Yeah. And this is not to impugn his motives entirely. There's not that there's no love in these families. Look, LeBron's dad came back into the picture. Shaquille O'Neal's uh, biological father reached out to him at some point, uh, you know, on, on the Ricky Lake show, yeah. and and w- sort of famously. W- so this happened. We have a recent example of Jamie Spears. Obviously, he didn't That's necessarily right. leave Britney, but nevertheless, there were a lot of accusations that he tried to parlay his daughter's wealth into his own fortune or whatever it is. And so these accusations level against Mitch. Mitch says, not true. I've been there for her all along. But nevertheless, it does appear that he really became a more active person in her life in 2003 when she starts to get uh, more famous. But then the fourth and and, and most sort of uh, difficult thing for Mitch to explain is that he became a powerful ally to Amy in her efforts to avoid rehab. Uh, There was a very famous incident in 2005. Amy had fallen and badly cut her head after a night of drinking. Her friends and her business team and managers were begging Amy to get help. They had sort of a a bit of an intervention. Uh, But Amy resisted. And along comes dad, Mitch, and he takes his daughter's side. He justifies her position by saying this was after her death. He came back and said this. He said, look, she wasn't drinking every day. And she was no different than a lot of kids who go out binge drinking once in a while. It doesn't mean she needs rehab. This is the key complication for, yeah. for Mitch as in his character because a cynical person is going to question the motives of a father who comes back into his daughter's life when she starts to attain fame and then tries to keep her out of rehab 
perhaps to keep her working and perhaps right. perhaps to cash in on the moment of her largest amount of fame and really sort of keep her musically inclined, even if the alcohol is enabling some of the worst behaviors. Right. And, and, and look, we don't want to go too to hard on Mitch. These are things people were saying. There's nothing to, go, you know, there's no smoking gun either way to show what Mitch's motivations are. But in the wake of Amy Winehouse's death, this was one, the finger primarily, we'll talk about her husband in a second, but was pointed at Mitch. And these are the kinds of arguments that, that they were making. And in fact, a, you know, they pointed to Amy's song Rehab, where she specifically references her father's role in keeping her out of rehab. So, so, so talk so about one other person in Amy's life who the, re really the finger was pointed at most directly about her death. Yeah, the second person uh, most often blamed for playing a role in Winehouse's death is a man named Blake Fielder Civil. This was Amy's husband from 2007 to 2009, and boy, did he introduce her to some really bad habits. Uh, they met in a pub in 2005. They're quickly inseparable. It's apparently sort of a torrid affair. At the time, Winehouse... She's only 22. She's a young woman at the time. She's already achieved some fame with the release of her 2003 album, Frank. Uh, she'd become well-known in the British music circles, though, already as a heavy drinker and a pot smoker at this point. Uh, Fielder Civil, however, is into quite harder drugs, yeah. heroin and crack cocaine. And he admits after she died that he introduced her to those drugs. So now you have someone with addictive tendencies. Amy, Amy Winehouse has already shown that she likes the drink and likes a little pot. He's now... Introducing her to that world of hardcore drugs, and that is a very volatile combination. Uh, they end up getting married in 2007, but the shared addictions and the behaviors lead to a series of highly publicized arrests and infidelities, allegations of domestic violence. Things end messily in 2009, but it obviously left a wake of destruction in his path. Yeah, and just to clarify about the infidelities, the domestic violence, they, they were cast in both directions. Sure. And there's a lot of evidence out there that Amy Winehouse was as guilty, if not more guilty, of A, the infidelities, but B, the domestic violence as, as Blake was. So she was really in a bad place. The relationship was obviously in a terrible place. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. But as tumultuous as a time as this was for Amy, it was also a time of true genius. Uh, her de debut album, Frank, as we talked about in 2003, was a critical success and established her as an up-and-coming artist. But it didn't sell very well. But with the release of Back to Black in October 2006, she established herself as a bona fide musical star, a musical genius. It was produced by Mark Ronson, got a lot more fame, brother of Samantha Ronson, but also the producer for Lady Gaga and a ton of other people. Uh, the, the album, uh, Back to Black, is largely autobiographical. 
and directly inspired by her addictions, her relationships with her father, and with Fielder Civil. It's what's fascinating to me is that the addictions and and the the, the sort of uh, problems she had were front and center in her art. Yes. You know, these weren't things that she was battling in the background and then doing pop songs and, and, you, and frivolous you stuff. You write what she you know, was writing right? what she knows. Yeah. We already talked about Rehab, the enormous hit and often listed among the best songs of the decade, obviously very autobiographical. But the most self-aware and perhaps, uh, you know, in my opinion, the most brilliant song is the title track, Back to Black, which is a really dark exploration of addiction, infidelities, breakups, and reconciliations. And then there is the really sublime Love is a Losing Game, which is such a deeply pessimistic look at love and life. It's it's really heartbreaking when you consider it in the context of her eventual breakup with Fielder Civil and then her, her obviously loss of life. It's really heartbreaking to listen to in that context. Over Yeah, you know, it's difficult to hear those songs uh, given the context in the context of her life. But Back to Black itself as an album remains one of the most critically and commercially successful albums of all time. I want to make sure that people understand that Amy Winehouse wasn't this critical darling who then became hugely famous in death. It wasn't like that at all. Uh, Back, Back to Black was the number one album in Britain in 2007. And today is the 12th highest selling album in British history. And there is a talk, talk quite about, a list of people it, in British, his, British music incredible. history. The, the only artists above her in the history of Great Britain music sales, the only artists above her are Queen, ABBA, The Beatles, Adele, Michael Jackson, Pink Floyd, and Madonna, and Dire Straits and Oasis. <laughs> Which one of these does not belong? <laughs> Which one of these two does not belong? So, so it's pretty incredible. I mean, when you when you lead, everyone thinks if you lead the British charts, it's it's less meaningful than the American pop charts. That's not the case. The British invasion, a lot of great art comes from Britain. Of course. And of so course. she is a, a huge artist over there and remains so. Uh, the Guardian named Back to Black in 2019 one of the best, al- the best album of the 21st century. Rolling Stone named it the 33rd greatest album of all time. So yeah. this is not someone who are, we are larding with lots I, of praise. I, I, I think we've forgotten her, her Her career was so short. I think we're forgetting how enormous she was for a brief moment in time. I mean, the third, third greatest album of all time, according to Rolling Stone, is Real High Praise. The Guardian, which, for those of you who don't know, is the preeminent voice of culture and, and news in, in the UK, and it calls it the greatest album of the 21st century to date. It, it's, it's pretty impressive stuff. It's pretty incredible, but at the height of her fame, she's also at the height of her troubles. So in 2008 Grammy, Award, uh, 2008 Grammy Awards, Winehouse takes in five Grammys. She gets record of the year, song of the year, and best new artist among those five Grammys. However, she's not there to accept it. She can't be in Los Angeles to receive the awards because the U.S. Department of Homeland Security refused to grant her visa due to, quote, well-known use and abuse of narcotics. So Amy Winehouse, although she's you know experiencing... How, how, honestly, not to make too, light of, too, too much light of it, do you know how in trouble you must be with narcotics to not be allowed to come to the Grammys? I mean, this is a place Incredible. that has... You know, the music industry is rife with people who have substance abuse problems. Sure. Recreational drug use is rampant right. and serious and drug many use. many of them come in from, from overseas in order to attend the Grammy Awards. Her 
substance abuse was so well known, was so often talked about that the Department of Homeland Security said, look, we're not going to grant her a visa to, to come in. I mean, indeed, it, far from bringing peace to her life, the enormous success of Back to Black accelerated this downward spiral, spiral Derek. Friends and doctors have said Winehouse became more deeply involved with alcohol and drugs in late 2007. So we're talking about, you know, during the year following Back to Black when she's on this triumphant tour. She cancels dozens of shows in Europe citing exhaustion. You and I cover a lot of people who cite exhaustion as as sort of the... You, you, you see know, it in sports as well. Right, the euphemism yes. for, for addiction often the time yep. or for drug use, often, often it's often used. Later that year, the Sun newspaper published a video allegedly of Winehouse smoking crack cocaine. In early 2008, She's, re- she's hospitalized for an alleged overdose, and in her system reportedly is a mix of heroin, ecstasy, cocaine, ketamine, and alcohol. Yeah, she's, these are heavy-duty drugs. She's doing them all at once, at the same time. So they're all in the system when she checks into, into the hospital. Uh, this incident apparently got through to Winehouse, and according to many, she stopped doing drugs, but her problems with alcohol intensified. Reports she drank to blackout multiple nights per week uh, are out there. Now, it's during this period, though, that Winehouse is obviously in the depths of her addictions, but she's also seeking out therapy and trying to manage this because I I suppose she realizes her fame is also at its height and she needs to get this under control. Um, She enjoys these short periods of sobriety uh, intermittently, including the three weeks immediately preceding her death. Ultimately, it looks like this is a just severely addicted, somewhat mentally ill person who's buttressed by her people around her, um, who at best are justifying her behavior and at worst are contributing to the addictions and sort of leeching off her in, in a sort of direct and indirect ways. Such a common rock and roll story. Isn't it, it really is. It's yeah. just a modern version of a very, very common story in music history. Yeah, so common. As a matter of fact, there's a club that sort of talks about these people that have died at the same age Amy Winehouse did. Yeah, the 27 Club was what you're referring to. I mean, it's the term used to refer to the, the group of, let's say, famous people, mostly musicians, who all died at the age of 27, usually for from addiction-related causes. You've got Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones. On the non-music side, you've got Basquiat. I didn't even know until this moment, that he, until we researched this podcast, that he had died of drug addiction. But at age 27, he also did. There's lots of reasons given for this. Some people say that 27 is a magical number. Do you put a lot of stake in Yeah, that? the ridiculous numerologist. I don't put much stake in that. I think at the end of the day, you have young, very rich people uh, who are addicts as well. And when you have access to money and drugs, it can be a very toxic combination. And it's right before that time, I know in my life, that before that time, you start to mature a little bit. So if you can sort of survive through 27, 28, then you start to mature and maybe stop doing it as much. But if you, you know, but that's when you've been doing it for a number of years in the case of Amy Winehouse, she'd been addicted, uh, an addict for so long that it finally just caught up with her and her body couldn't take it any longer. And this one incident just uh, pushed it over the edge. We, we, we got to talk about Amy's influence. I think it's hard to overstate what she did for music. I mean, we've talked about the success of Back to Black as an album, but a lot of artists have successful albums and leave no lasting imprint or footprint on the music industry itself. Amy Winehouse is not like that at all. Uh, what did she do for music writ large? How did she influence the way music sounds today? Yeah, so a lot of artists have talked about this. Lady Gaga and John Legend have talked about this soulful voice, this this rasp bluesy feel that she had. Uh, George Michael said she's the most soulful vocalist this country has ever seen, talking about the UK. I don't think she's the most soulful vocalist the United <laughs> States has ever seen. But in Britain, that's something, right? The Rolling Stones were very soulful. But nevertheless, you know, you know, uh, 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 Amy Winehouse was 
but no big musician was more influenced by Winehouse than Adele. The similarities are obvious that that bit those big bluesy notes showing off a huge range. Adele remarked in 2016, it, it was the uh, I believe the five-year anniversary of Winehouse's death. Uh, she talked about Winehouse in concert. She was at a concert in Boston and said, her first album, Frank, changed my life. I used to see her on TV or in magazine shoots with a pink electric guitar, and I used to think that she was the coolest motherfucker on the face of the earth. Because of her, I picked up the guitar, and because of her, I wrote my own songs. The songs that I got signed for were those songs, and if it wasn't for her, that wouldn't have happened. I owe 90% of my career to Amy Winehouse. Jason, I gotta tell you, I can't listen to Adele songs now. A song like Rolling in the Deep sounds like an Amy Winehouse song to me today. Uh, the difference being that it seems the the heart of inspira- of Adele's inspiration is breakups and and sort of the, the messy emotional content with that. And the heart of Amy Winehouse's music was her wrestling with addictions. And I think that's where their lives really cleave apart is the 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 self-destructive behavior that 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 you know, ended up killing Amy Winehouse, hasn't done in Adele, but their sound, their blues, the big booming voices, there's really a lot that unites them. Yeah, it really, really does. So w- one thing we want to o- always do is is talk about the counterfactual, Derek. You know, what would have happened had Amy Winehouse survived that night? Let's say she does pass out at point three. What if she puts the bottle down for a second? At point three, she, she passed out. What's the counterfactual? What does Amy Winehouse's life and career look like if she survives that night? Yeah, I think she had a lot more to offer in music. And I don't think it's a, a sort of crazy counterfactual deposit because she had experienced those three weeks of sobriety up until that point. Look, I think her demons would have ultimately gotten the better of her. She had already wreaked so much havoc on her life. I don't think Amy was destined for a very long life. But Obviously, she could have contributed more to music. I think she had more to say. She was an incredible songwriter. She could have become a producer behind the scenes. Um, and her her musical talent was irrepressible. I think you would see a lot more music. I think you'd see her in, uh, you know, her her music being used in films and so forth. She just had a lot more influence. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to th- this counterfactual is ultimately runs up against the fact that she was such a hardcore addict. To your point, it's hard to see how much even if she not died that night, it seems like it was coming for her. But look, we have seen a lot of artists out there and certainly a lot of actors and actresses who seem like they're left for dead or have left themselves for dead only to pick themselves up and, you know, rehabilitate their careers. Robert Downey Jr. is the one that everybody cites as as an actor. Um, It's it's interesting to know about what had happened, what she had done to her body over the last five, six years. You know, we talked about this concert in Belgrade in 2006, but uh, I'm sorry, in 2011. But she had, since 2006, been giving concerts, canceling dates, getting up on stage and having really bad uh, nights on stage where she couldn't keep it together. She must have been doing a tremendous amount of harm to her body. And we've seen musicians in the past who really, you know, Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston happened? comes to yeah. mind. You know yeah. who I think about if I say, uh, what would a longer Amy Winehouse life look like? Maybe a bit like Whitney Houston's life. She lived a bit longer. She did have a few extra hits after the Bobby Brown period, yeah. but the damage was done. You could hear it in her voice. She went from having the greatest voice greatest of our generation. Would to... start to crack on stage. Yes. There was sort of a sad element. She would still show up to events because she was a living icon, but it didn't end well for Whitney as well. And I think all Though Amy could have lived a longer life, I'm not sure it would have been all that different in so, the end. So one thing she was, was a pretty naturally gifted songwriter. And so, and that doesn't require the sort of physical talent right. that, that she once had. So I like the idea of her maintaining her abilities as a songwriter, writing for other people, whatever it might be. Again, though, you're always, you know, she, she, was, she was an addict and she never wanted to get help. 
And it's hard to imagine it ending better or differently than it did, I guess. Better is different, but but differently than it did. Yeah, um, all that said, look, she remains one of the most incredible artists, the one you think of. She's one of your favorite indeed. artists. Yeah. Uh, I still think she's the best artist of the 21st century. That's my personal opinion for what it's worth. Yeah, in 27 short le- years to leave the legacy she left, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. All right, thanks very much, everybody. 